You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Saints podcast, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints. We are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get to hear the local experts on the biggest stories, your team, every day. And I am your host, Ross Jackson. And as always, I want to start with a big thank you and welcome to our newest listeners, whether it's your first time or your next time. I always love hearing from everyone that tunes in, reads, and follows. So know that you can hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. And of course, that ASC stands for AllSaintsConsidered.com, where you can find my as well as other talented writers, articles, and podcasts, your source for up-to-the-minute Saints news, opinions, and analysis for Saints fans by Saints fans. And I got a fun show today. We're going to preview the upcoming Monday matchup between New Orleans and Washington, and then we're going to do a little throwback Thursday to the last time that these two teams met up and what the fireworks look like there, and then we'll close up with some Saints news as well as some news from around the league, all of that, and a little bit of land yet here on Locked On Saints. So I want to start off today talking through some of the key matchups that you're going to watch on Monday night, Uh, mostly talking about the Saints offense versus the Washington defense. Uh, One of the biggest storylines coming into this game outside of the fact that Drew Brees is more than likely going to break the all-time passing yardage record, being that he's only 201 yards away, is the return of Saints running back Mark Ingram. Now, since Mark Ingram's been out during during his suspension for the first four games of the season, the Saints have only averaged 105 rushing yards per game. That includes, however, uh, 143-yard performance against the Giants just this past week, and then a 170-yard rushing performance against the Falcons the week before. So they're, set, they're steadily improving in their run game completely led by Alvin Kamara, who's sitting right now at the top of the league with most rushing touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns on 275 yards uh, for the season. So adding Mark Ingram back in gives the Saints the full complement of the backfield that they had last year, with the exception of the one game that Alvin Kamara had to leave early because of the concussion against the, was it the Falcons and that color rush game, that Thursday night game. So now all of a sudden they have the terrible tandem uh, back, the one-two punch that is Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram coming back at home prime time against Washington. Now, Washington got fully acquainted that Washington defense did with that duo just last year, but we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in our second segment when we look back at that game from last year, which was a wild one. So a big part of Monday night's success for the Saints is going to be on the shoulders of the success of the run game with the re-addition of Mark Ingram. And something to keep in mind is that we're not just looking at a dynamic duo anymore, but we might be looking at a terrific trio, considering the fact that the second leading rusher right now for the Saints is quarterback Taysom Hill, who's able to bust a couple of, who has been able to bust a couple of big runs each game the last couple of weeks as he's getting more and more integrated into the offense in non-quarterback position plays, essentially playing that slasher role like we talked about last time. He's been incredibly fun to watch from that perspective. I've never really been a big supporter of Taysom Hill as the guy behind Drew Brees, but his athleticism, uh, we over here at uh, over at All Saints Considered for a while have been talking about what a great option to move to other parts of the offense, runs a faster 40 than 
uh, what's Christian McCaffrey has a better vertical than Antonio Brown has a lot of just incredibly athletic Taysom Hill is so being able to see him get involved in the mix and then now having again that full spread that full complement available to them of Mark Ingram with his return Alvin Kamara and then maybe a little bit more Taysom Hill involved in the run, or just as much Taysom Hill involved in the run game, but more effective because of everything that Mark Ingram is going to be able to set up. The, the amazing thing that Mark Ingram does is that he provides the Saints another option with a very suitable skill set or a very uh, familiar skill set to that which Alvin Kamara provides even when he's not on the field. They can both catch out of the backfield. They can both run up the middle. They can both get around the edge. They can both be effective all over the field. And so when you have Mark Ingram on the field, it doesn't tell the defense anything versus when you have Alvin Kamara on the field. And then you throw in uh, Taysom Hill as an inline blocker that all of a sudden comes around and takes a jet sweep to the opposite side. Who knows? You know, it's going to be a lot of different game plans. They're going to see a lot of fun looks, I think, because, you know, again, at home, at prime, in prime time uh, up against Washington, who has a stout defense right now. They've got a top, not a top ranked, but they're amongst the top ranked in terms of total defense. They've got a great rushing defense over there, only allowing 90, point, 90 yards per game. So the, the, the Saints are really going to have to work to break past that. That interior line over in Washington right now, uh, Deron Payne and Tim Settle, both rookie draft picks from this year, I think first and fifth round picks respectively. Great interior line there. Ryan Kerrigan, of course, somebody to watch out for. Zach Brown is an excellent run defender. Always has been, even when he was with the Bills. Uh, just really, really great run defense over there. So it's going to be both a challenge and a little bit of a benchmark for the Saints in order to determine their success in this game. It's all going to be based on starting with the foundation of the run game. Once the run game gets popping, then all of a sudden Drew Brees and his 201 yards can come in the blink of an eye because you've got Michael Thomas, who is, again, within uh, three catches of tying the the week four record for most catches from week one to week four. He's within five catches of tying the most within a receiver's first four games of the season. Ted Ginn Jr. didn't had three targets last week but didn't have any catches Traquan Smith missed out on a couple of catches himself so he's going to be looking to redeem himself Cameron Meredith and Josh Hill and Benjamin Watson should all see some success in the intermediate left center and right because of the way that these linebackers are going to get spread out because of the run game as well as what's going to happen with these defensive backs having to try to cover all of these weapons all over the field Josh Norman might possibly be out so once this run game gets popping then all of a sudden the passing game catches fire as well over on the defensive side of the ball for the Saints Alex Smith's targets as uh, Nick Eshu and I talked about yesterday are going to be Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson. If you can lock those two down, which we've done a good job so far this year in terms of the Saints defense locking down passing pass catching backs out of the backfield as well as pass catching tight ends only allowing I think it was 300 some odd yards no touchdowns to tight ends or running backs out of the backfield or only one one or two touchdowns out of the backfield so they're doing great in terms of being able to lock those positions down so far this season and if they can continue to do that against Washington Alex Smith doesn't have really much of any other targets out there aside from Paul Richardson who can be a deep threat as well 
But if he's going to be the number one guy and I've got Marshawn Lattimore and Paul Richardson, I'm putting my money on Marshawn Lattimore to win that matchup. Otherwise, the big thing right here is that we just recently cut Brandon Tate. So they're going to be looking at who's going to be the special teams return guy. My fingers are crossed that Boston Scott finds his way up. Jonathan Williams has been cut. Brandon Tate has been cut. We've signed Josh Robinson, which I'll talk about a little bit later as another cornerback defensive back out in the backfield for them to provide some support for that secondary. So my hope is that with all of these roster shuffles that we might just see one more that's going to open the door to get Boston Scott in and involved, who can be electrifying in the return game. And then that would essentially cook up the perfect stew, the perfect combination, without me even talking about the excellence of this defensive line and the way the defensive line has been playing. If you have an athletic subscription, make sure you keep an eye on what Deuce Windham's been doing recently, talking about Sheldon Rankins and his play. He's been outstanding. Cam Jordan's been outstanding. Marcus Davenport's snaps keep increasing, and he keeps improving. The linebackers have been great. Demario Davis was uh, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week this past week. 11 tackles, two tackles for a loss, two quarterback hits two two sacks uh if we could just get that return game popping and we get clicking on all three levels at home in the dome it's going to be lights out no pun intended that is not a super bowl joke that is not a super bowl joke but i mean it it's going to be lights out for the saints and it's going to be an unfortunate trip for washington despite the fact that alex smith has seen quote-unquote success against the saints even though he only has a one and three record against the saints over his career since 2007 and has only thrown five touchdowns as well as five interceptions. All right, y'all, so stick around because coming up next, I'm going to update you a little bit on, on those roster moves that I just mentioned. That's coming up later. But coming up next, we're going to do a quick throwback Thursday to last year's matchup for the Saints and Washington Redskins. It was a crazy one, and we're going to talk all about it and hope that we find some way to relive at least the excitement. I don't need the situation again on Monday. Locked on NFL is becoming everyone's favorite daily national NFL podcast. Mondays, it's the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. Tuesdays, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels joins Matt Williamson. Wednesdays, it's Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. Thursdays, it's the great Mike Sando of ESPN. And Friday, you get your chance to listen to Matt's picks for the upcoming week. And speaking of those picks... I'm not going to be able to tell you anything about who to pick. I got an idea about who to pick in this Washington game on Monday night. I'm telling you, take the Saints on that one. But if you think you have a better idea or if you know about the other games going on this uh, this week, you need to make your way over to my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They've got great reviews online and their mobile site is super easy to use. I would only recommend a service to you that has been good to me. And that's exactly why I'm here urging you to make your way to my bookie because you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business my bookie is slammed with new betters right now and wants to give everyone the best service possible so if you're willing to wait to deposit until after 7 p.m eastern time they'll give you an additional 25 dollars of free play on deposits over a hundred dollars join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to a thousand dollars use the promo code locked on all one word to activate the offer visit my bookie online today that's m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e and don't forget to use the promo code locked on when creating your account to claim up to a thousand dollars in free play if you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m you can get an extra $25 of free play by using the promo code LOCKEDON2525. 
It's up to you guys, but I definitely wait until after dinner to take the extra money. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, y'all. Uh, when we come back for the next segment, we're going to be talking about some news from around the league as well as some some roster shuffles for the Saints. But right now, I want to jump into this throwback Thursday stuff. Uh, I have a nice one for you today. It's a fun one. I wrote about this game early, early this year as the number one game, number one Saints game of 2017. And that was the Saints versus Washington in home at the Dome week 11. That game was absolutely insane and i don't mean to make a rhyme there i just mean that was an ab truly truly an absolutely insane game uh that was a game in which the saints were down 15 points in the fourth quarter not just in the fourth quarter they were down 15 points with less than three minutes left with 258 left on the clock drew Brees throws a touchdown to josh hill which goes ahead and helps to get them within uh two-point conversion away a touchdown a two-point conversion away Washington gets the ball back and then goes three and out. And, and the big part of that three and out was a uh, third and one run by Samaje Pirine that both uh, Von Bell and Manti Teo, who were playing outstanding run defense the entire season, have continued a little bit of that this season as well, or continued flashes of that this season as well, stuffed them for a minus one. Uh, they got it. They forced the punt, put the ball back in Drew Brees' hand, and Drew Brees was a man on fire he then led an 87 yard touchdown drive in less than 50 seconds completing four straight passes of over of over 15 yards one of which to michael thomas for 17 ted ginn for 18 kobe fleener for 29 y'all remember him that was a catch and run and then finally connecting with alvin Kamara on a juggling 18 yard touchdown it was the, one of the more confusing plays of that game uh he hits him on a uh, it was a little bit of a cross route as a dig route out of the backfield and uh, Alvin Kamara just bobbles it, and all the defenders are just looking around at him like, oh, he ain't going to catch that. And he just splits right through. I think it was three or four defenders uh, that weren't even trying to tackle him because they thought he wasn't going to catch it. Or the intent was to let him score the touchdown so that they could get the ball back with some time on the clock, which is ultimately what happened after they converted a two-point conversion. It was a handoff. It was a toss to Alvin Kamara over on the left to the left side, which was perfectly sealed by Josh Hill. And then AK basically just jaunted into the end zone for the two-point conversion, tying the game up 31-31. Uh, then the Saints, Saints defense didn't really do the offense any favors for the most part once uh, Kirk Cousins got the ball back. Remember, Kirk Cousins was the was the quarterback back then and y'all have heard me talk about Kirk Cousins before or maybe that was on the footage that I lost I can't remember but Kirk Cousins not the guy you want to put the ball in the hands of late in the game when driving for a win they actually get down to the New Orleans 34 yard line with 31 seconds left Cousins reads run defense and actually audibles out of a run play even though that's pretty much what you should be doing at this time is just trying to get a couple more yards to get put your field goal kicker in a good position to win the game at that point and so he audibles out of the run play and then throws the ball away ill-advised no receivers around was not outside of the tackle box takes an intentional grounding penalty that pushes them back to the 49 yard line that's 15 yards back and then all of a sudden 
Dennis Allen draws up a Von Bell blitz, demolishes Kirk Cousins, forces a fumble at the end of regulation, and sends the game into overtime. Then in overtime, that Saints defense really showed up, forcing another three and out, two incomplete passes, and a sack by Cam Jordan. Well, two incomplete passes by Kirk Cousins, and then a 10-yard sack by Cam Jordan, getting the ball back into the hands of Drew Brees, who leads, well, doesn't actually lead the charge in that one. Now, now that I think about it, that was 51 yards. The next 51 yards were gained specifically by Mark Ingram on two plays, as well as a couple of other things. But the thing to remember is that at the end of regulation through overtime, Drew Brees completed 11 straight passes over that course in terms of bringing the team back. He completed 11 straight passes. I think it was uh, 100 and, oh, 164 yards and two touchdowns. And that included also taking a 10-yard holding penalty, by the way. So he also had to make up for that. So in overtime, he hands the ball off. Mark Ingram gains 51 of his 155 total scrimmage yards in those two plays. And then the Saints kick a field goal. Will Lutz finishes off the miraculous comeback for New Orleans. And the Saints make history uh, on a couple of different levels with that game. Uh, First of all, they became the team, the first team since the Tim Tebow-led 2011 Denver Broncos to successfully come back from a 15-point deficit with less than three minutes remaining in the game. And in that same 15-point disadvantage was the largest comeback victory for the team in franchise history. And winning that game, the, team, the Saints also became the first team in NFL history to win eight straight games after starting off with an 0-2 record at the beginning of the season. This was just another example of a team, that Saints team, that had too much going for it, had too many weapons. The Saints defense was holding up where it needed, it was showing up when it was needed, and everything like that. And so they put all of this together and then we're able to come back from all of the adversity. Remember that the Saints, Drew Brees threw an interception to safety DJ Swearinger on the first drive of that game and everything just looked like it was going downhill. Marshawn Lattimore got hurt. Uh, a couple of deep passing touchdowns by Kirk Cousins early in the game put them up big early. Uh, it, it just did not look like this was going to be a great game. For the Saints, that was the one where Marshall Lattimore got hurt early, then tried to come back. It didn't work out, and so he ended up sitting for the rest of the game, but the secondary held up. Everybody played a great game uh, that game. Cam Jordan had particularly had a great game there with that big-time sack uh, to uh, in, in overtime to force that three and out to put the ball back in the Saints' hands. And because they got the ball second, all they needed to do was kick the field goal to win. So there was a lot of excitement going on in that game, but nothing more exciting than 15 points down at the very, very end of the game coming back from that and uh, scoring the game-winning field goal in overtime, getting that win. Big-time plays by Mr. Mr. Ice in his veins, Drew Brees himself. Uh, the the This is not yet, you've, you haven't even seen my final form yet version of Josh Hill started to arrive before playoff Josh Hill came out with his new evolution. Um, Kobe Fleener showed up when needed. Michael Thomas was playing big that game. It was a great game. It was a ton of fun. And that was, again, at home in the Dome. That was not a primetime game. That was a game I was actually able to watch before going to work, which was pleasant. But all of that is now coming back to this Saints, coming back to the Saints home in the Superdome on Monday night as Washington comes back for the second year in a row. Um, Hopefully we won't be in that exact same situation or have to claw ourselves out of a 15-point deficit with three minutes left in the fourth quarter on Monday. It's hard to do that, you know, back-to-back -back seasons. But, you know, all I'm going to say 
and this was something that I wrote in the article too, is that for most teams and for most fan bases, when they get in a situation like that, the only thing that they can think is, man, I really wish we had a future Hall of Fame quarterback with mad, I think it's 40, 43, 40, 44 comeback, fourth, fourth quarter comebacks and game-winning drives on their record. And the, 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 the thing about be, covering the Saints and being a Saints fan is that we get to say, we do have that person in Drew Brees. So, uh, it, you know, the game's going to be a little bit different this time. No Kirk Cousins to choke his way, to choke his team out of a victory. Um, D- Drew Brees has something different that he's not necessarily playing for, but on the verge of going into this game. Mark Ingram's coming back after a four-game suspension. Alex Smith is the quarterback over in Washington instead of Kirk Cousins, who has a little bit more poise in the pocket, has more poise late games, which unfortunately we know from experience. So it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, of a different game but hopefully, though, in the Saints' favor. So, all right, y'all, that's all I've got for today's Throwback Thursday. That was just a fun one that I wanted to cover as quickly as I could, that, or as soon as I could, because I loved that game. That was my number one game from last year in terms of excitement. My number one game in terms of execution was, of course, that Buffalo Bills game away cold in Buffalo, 47-10 to victory, no passing touchdowns. That was an incredible game. Six rushing touchdowns. It was a whole thing. But Number one game in terms of excitement from last year. So stick around because when we come back, I'm going to be talking about these Saints roster moves as well as some big news from around the NFL. But first, I want to tell you about Locked On NBA and how it never went away and how it's still here for you every single day. Locked On NBA is your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, you get the local experts on the biggest stories, and then you stay with Locked On NBA throughout the whole week for daily 30-minute episodes on everything going on in the NBA. You can follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or you can tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On NBA. And now I get to tell you about one of my favorite websites on the internet, and that is Swap.com. Swap.com is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. With Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off of all retail prices for your favorite brands like Lululemon, Carter's, Nike, J. Crew, Gap. All items are quality, hand ins- inspected, and are added daily and if something doesn't fit you can enjoy a hassle-free return policy of up to 30 days look swap.com is one of the best websites like i said on the internet i shop here all the time i love being able to use this that return policy is no joke you find something that you like you think you like it you have it shipped over you love it it looks right you put it on it's just a little too tight or it's just a little too loose fits a little boxy no big deal pack that bad boy back up ship it off and they will refund you for it or you can swap it out for something new you get it swap.com over 14 million tons of textiles are wasted each and every year. Shopping secondhand at swap.com helps you prevent textile waste from polluting the environment, which is something that you get to feel good about. So we have a special offer for you. Get 35% off of select items on your first order with promo code locked on. All one word. Use the promo code locked on. You can get 35% off of select items on your first order. Plus, you can find new deals every day on swap.com's homepage. Visit swap.com where you can shop good, look good, feel good, and do good. All right, y'all, welcome back. This is the last portion of our show today. I just want to talk about some of the roster moves that the Saints have made, give you my opinions on them. They're not huge roster moves with the exception of the addition of Mark Ingram now that he is back. He got, you know, they got their roster exemption. They had some time before they could figure out what they were going to do in terms of making space for him. Well, they have, first of all, they've released 
uh, kick returner Brandon Tate, and they also released running back Jonathan Williams. Jonathan Williams has been signed with the Colts. He's the third former Saints player to be signed by the Colts. Leeches, every one of them. There was also a huge, huge, huge adjustment over on the practice squad that you're going to hear me talk more about tomorrow because there are some important moves in there, including the cut of fourth round pick Rick Leonard, the addition of wide receiver Taylor, Ma- uh, is it Taylor McAvoy, uh, Tanner McAvoy, my bad, Tanner McAvoy, uh, who is uh, a- 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 an intriguing prospect. He's not he's not a big time guy, but he's an intriguing prospect. But I'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow for Friday's episode, uh, which I'm going to try to get you some bonus content since I had to miss on Tuesday, by the way, since my computer crashed and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, so cutting of Jonathan Williams, the addition of Mark Ingram, the cutting of Brandon Tate, the addition of cornerback Josh Robinson. Y'all talk, y'all heard about me talk about Josh Robinson before I went on my whole tirade about Eric Reed the exact same day that Eric Reed signed with the Panthers. So maybe I should just keep my mouth shut about free agents from now on so that they'll stop signing other places, particularly with other teams in the NFC South, but whatever it is, what it is. Josh Robinson was one of those three cornerbacks that they had worked out, which included uh, Sterling Sharp and uh, David Amerson. They've, of course, worked out some other uh, some other prospects as well, including Byron Maxwell uh, and a couple of other players. So the big thing right now is that they've signed Josh Robinson, who was a safety, converted over to corner, uh, played a couple of other positions in college. He was drafted in the third round by the Minnesota Vikings, played his first couple of years there. But again, like I had mentioned last time, hasn't really played any meaningful defensive snaps. And when I say meaningful, I just mean to say multiple right he hasn't played a a meaningful game on defense for the past couple years at least since I think it was 2014 at which time he did have a couple of interceptions but he also allowed like five touchdowns and I think it was over 700 yards uh so you know he he was kind of in the same boat as where David Amerson was when I was trying to compare the two of them they were pretty close to one another Josh Robinson however does have a 4-3-3 uh, 40 that he ran. He's dealt with some injuries, hamstring injuries and stuff like that back in 2013. He also dealt with a uh, dealt with one in 2015 before he left Minnesota and then was signed by Tampa Bay, or maybe it was right after he was signed by Tampa Bay. Uh, but over in Tampa Bay, he served as a special teams captain last year and then mostly served meaningful special team snaps throughout that time. So there's a couple of different avenues with the addition of Josh Robinson that the Saints can take, whether they want to actually get him into the mix as a corner, uh, it, you know, with uh, uh, pa- uh, Patrick Robinson being out, PJ Williams in the slot, King Crawley on the outside right now. If those two don't sh- continue to show more improvement, Josh Robinson could be uh, a potential person that they try out at one of those positions, either in the slot or over on the outside opposite Marshawn Lattimore, or he becomes a special teams guy to help get Justin Hardy some rest so that Justin Hardy can get involved in the defense. There's a couple different options there. Uh, but the big big roster news that I want to talk about is that they have been working out Boston Scott as a potential punt returner. Now, with the cut of Brandon uh, I'm sorry with yeah with the cut of Brandon Tate we lost our kick returner our main kick returner for right now opposite um opposite Taysom Hill who's been returning who's been returning kicks and last week Ted Ginn Jr. fumbled, bobbled a punt return, and then had us, you know, starting a, a drive at the three-yard line against the Giants. So getting Boston Scott involved is something that I've had my fingers crossed for for a while. I don't know if we'll see it this week. Maybe it'll be a post-bye week adjustment. But with the addition of Josh Robinson, it does free us up to make a move like the cut of maybe JT Gray, who has been a special teams ace for us, so that they could replace 
him with Josh Robinson and then bring in Boston Scott off the practice squad and then get Boston Scott involved in some uh, in, in some special teams play, special teams, uh, punt return, kick return, things like that. He would also be a great piece to get involved with Alvin Kamara and with uh, Mark Ingram as well, which would be absolutely incredible. Or it could just be that we move Mike Gillisley off and then we get Boston Scott back onto the roster, keeping JT Gray as that fifth safety, fifth safety, fifth safety, uh, and things like that. So there's a lot of options there. Uh, I'm running a little bit tight on time. So the only other big national piece of news that I want to talk about is that Le'Veon Bell looks like he's going to be set to come back somewhere around week seven or eight. If that is true, and if he does end his holdout and then is able to stay healthy for the second half of the season, it does mean that when we play the Pittsburgh Steelers in week 16, I think that it is, uh, we will definitely be seeing some Le'Veon Bell. So that's just something to keep in mind for later on. Uh, so that's all I have time for you for today. Remember, I'm going to try to get you some bonus content. So keep an eye out for an episode tomorrow and then hopefully some bonus content coming up as well. Thank you so much, everybody. Tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about uh, bringing up some of the comments from Reddit. I'm going to be talking about more of this Washington and Saints game. And then I'm going to try to bring you some PFF grades from last week and some PFF grades for the Saints players over this first quarter of the season. Thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're momming them. Find Locked on Saints on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on Saints. Whatever you do, just make sure that you subscribe so that you get so that you know anytime that new episodes drop Monday through Friday. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Please continue to rate, review, and share. I appreciate all your support. This has been Locked on Saints. And trust who that nation, I'll holla at you. Hey everyone, Jake Madison here, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Basketball season is upon us and big things are in store for the Pelicans after making the playoffs last year. Keep up with everything going on around Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, and the rest of the team with the daily Locked On Pelicans podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from.